0: On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, free indeed is a journey to wholeness and healing as you walk in the victory of all Christ paid for at the cross. Okay, now let's continue on with this next section of inner healing. People ask uh, a little bit ago about you know about pain and about hurt, and a lot of times uh, we we can still have a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. But Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Isn't that amazing that he knew that there would be a lot of hurts and pains, a lot of brokenness because the world has sin in it. And like I said, hurting people hurt people. It doesn't necessarily mean that they intended to, it's just they do. And so we've we're all of us are products of all kinds of issues in our life. And the reality is he didn't leave he didn't leave us this way. He said, I've got healing for you. I want to heal your broken heart. And it literally means crushed. I want to heal that. So, even though there's a lot of things that happen to us, uh, the enemy is always trying to do is blame God. You know, if God loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. If he, if he really cared for you, you wouldn't have to have this experience. And the reality is, that's not true at all. He causes the pain and then blames God for it. And that's the typical that's the typical scheme of the enemy. He causes a problem in your life and he blames God for not being good. And we're so gullible, we listen to that garbage and we go, you're right. If God really were good, well, I wouldn't be going through this. No, the truth is the devil trying to kill, steal and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and might have it more abundant. So Isaiah 53, I would really encourage, you know, sort of like, you know, I was going to say, well, this passage is important, and this passage is important. Hey, the whole Bible is important. Let me. <laughs> but Isaiah 53 really is important for this particular section. Now, this is talking about Jesus. Isaiah was a prophet, and he probably had more prophecies about Jesus than any of the other prophets in the Old Testament. This is Isaiah 53, beginning verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken. He was smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. Now, this is just part of the passage because all of Isaiah 53 is profound. But I want to go back and look at this again. It says, he was despised and rejected. And that's what we've been talking about. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. He took our pain. A lot of times we don't let him have it. He bore our shame. He took all that all that stuff on himself. He carried our griefs and our sorrows. And all of this, he was stricken. He was spitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. It's not, he didn't do that because he just needed something to do. He didn't do it because it felt good. He did it for us. He took our pain. He took our punishment. He took everything that we, that we were supposed to pay and he paid it all for us. Isn't that amazing? Amazing love. Amazing grace. It's a wonderful passage because he took our pain and suffered for us at the cross. It was for us. He was despised and rejected so we could be accepted. He bore, which meant to lift or to bear or to take our griefs. And he carried, which means to carry or take up our sorrows. The word sorrows can be translated pain. He was bruised for our iniquities and punishment for our peace was upon him. God provided healing for our hurts and our pain through Jesus and what he did for us at the cross. But we got to learn how to access and appropriate that. Now, at the top of page 65 there, we've got the passage we started with, Luke 4, 18 and 19. Because it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I love that because right after he's talking about saving us, he's talking about healing us. So he realizes the brokenness that we're in. He realizes the condition. I mean, remember he said he he told Moses, I'm coming down because my sheep, I mean, because my, my people are in such pain. God cares. Um we keep going astray, but He cares. He's provided for us, and so this passage, He goes. Not only do I don't want to save you, but I want to heal you, and I want to heal that hurt, and I want to heal that broken heart. I know that you have that, and really, like I said, if you're breathing and you've been around very long, you probably got, you've taken some blows and hurts and wounds from people, individuals, but again, it's from the enemy. Enemy is always trying to cause you a problem. So he heals the brokenhearted. Now that passage in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 comes out of Isaiah 61. And I want to read a couple of these verses uh, from Isaiah. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and that's at the tail end of the Luke passage, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. You ever mourned? See, he he wants to comfort, to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isn't that amazing? Beautiful passage. Now, why this is so amazing to me is that when you really look at this, he wants to comfort all who mourn. He wants to console those that mourn. And if you've been hurt and you have loss, there's a lot of mourning there's a lot you know, it's, wow, what do you do? And that's really where it comes from. The enemy always is trying to inflict pain on us and tries to cause us to have problems. But he gives beauty for ashes. If you've ever, think, ever seen anything burned up and you've seen ashes, there's, there's nothing left, completely gone. But he gives beauty for ashes. And that's, this is remarkable because, see, it's only God who can really do this. The cross, think about the cross. The cross was the one of the worst forms of punishment there ever that man ever conceived of, but you know it's the instrument of death, but at the same time, life comes out of death. Because Jesus died on that cross, but the reality is what that does is it's, he came out of the grave. So beauty is the same way, beauty out of ashes. You, you know, if you burn up something, they're just gone lost completely. No way it's ever going to be back that way, but God breaks beauty out of ashes. So when we talked about strongholds and having a place of hopelessness, what God's trying to get us to see here is that in Him, there's always hope. Now, remember Abraham in in Romans chapter 4, it says he believed two things about God. Number one, he gives life to the dead And he calls things that don't exist as though they do. Well, you think about that. If it existed and died, God can give life to it. If it doesn't exist, he can create it. That pretty well covers everything. So Abraham's confession was, oh, I believe this about you. And so what we've got to recognize is that God brings, brings life out of death. And a lot of times you've experienced loss of a loved one you've experienced loss of health issues. Maybe you've lost all your money. Maybe you've lost whatever. Well, that's not the final story. It's not the end of the story. Can that be restored in that particular way? Probably not. But, but again, that doesn't limit God. You may say, but I don't want it any other way. I understand that. But we gotta go, Lord, I'm living in a world of sin and death and hurt and pain but you came that I might have life and might have it more abundant. See, the big picture, we're here to represent him. And as we're here to represent him, we're to bring light and salt. We are light and salt. We're to bring forth his kingdom. So is there is that pain-free living and no problem living? No, not at all. In fact, it actually is problem living because we're pushing into occupied territory. Children of Israel went into the promised land. God said, I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be a land of, of filled with fruit and honey, and it's unbelievable production. You're going to have houses in there that you didn't build. All this stuff's going to be for you. And they said, wow, it's great. You know, I you know, can't wait to go into the promised land. Sent some spies in. And they came back and said, you know, it is as, they, as you said, except the giants are in there. I bet God said, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Do <laughs> you kidding me? There's some giants in there? No. He goes, yeah, I know, and I'm going to be with you. And They said, well, we can't go in there. You know why? Because they saw themselves as grasshoppers compared to them. The God's plan was, was to give them the whole deal. Their idea is no different than our idea today that there shouldn't be any problems in life. I've come to Jesus, and there shouldn't be any problems. Everything's supposed to be right. I'm supposed to be healed. Marriage's supposed to be perfect. Kids are supposed to be perfect. Life's supposed to be perfect. Everything's supposed to be perfect. Wrong. No, the reality is, is that everything's messed up now, and God's trying to save us so that we can be an instrument that he can use to begin to bring his kingdom and his rule and reign into this realm. Now, trying to get us out of here, he's trying to get us to represent him. And so, yeah, there's a lot of trauma. Yes, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. But he didn't leave us here without the hope of being healed. So that's what we're saying here. He brings beauty out of ashes. The, the cross speaks of life out of death. I mean, wow, that's amazing. He gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's the spirit that causes depression. I Man, I'm telling you, depression huge says the majority of the church population today is on some kind of antidepressant, uh, taking something to try to help us to cope. He wants to cope. He wants to realize that God didn't give that to us. He's not depressed. You do realize that. God is not depressed. Jesus is not wringing his hands, hoping that something works out. No, he's waiting until his enemies are made his footstool because his kingdom is here. It's increasing, and it's going to continue to increase. And when it's all said and done, it's still going to be here. The question is not whether his kingdom is increasing. The question is whether or not we're going to be part of it. He's saying, come on, you can participate. You can get involved here. But there is a spirit of heaviness, and I guarantee it's the root cause of depression and oppression, but he heals that too. So anyway, we got to look at the cross. Always look at the cross because that cross is empty. That cross was the payment for our life, and Jesus is not hanging on that cross. He is not dead in the tomb, but he is the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords who lives and reigns forever and ever. And I'm going to tell you, he's got the keys of death and Hades in his hands. He has all authority. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the true and faithful witness, and he is everything in between. That's our God. That's the one who went to the cross and died for us. He took our punishment, he took our pain. Let me tell you may say, well, I've got a lot of pain in my life. Why am I doing what? We got a problem here. If he took all the pain, why do I have all this pain? Well, a lot of times it's because the enemy does everything possible to get us mad at God. And that's my next section here. Matthew 11, 2 through 6, said, when John had heard in prison, now John's in prison, it's his cousin, John the Baptist, about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, when I saw this years ago, I, I began to realize, wait a minute, John's in prison. Now, if I were myself, again, put yourself in the scriptures, I'm... I'm Jesus' cousin. I'm the dude that's been out there prophesying that this guy's coming, going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I'm the one who said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Hello, I'm John, the Baptist. Hello, I'm in prison. Now, see, they know the word too. They know the word better than we know the word. And clearly this Messiah who's coming is going to set the captives free. That's what he does. I'm the forerunner. I'm his cousin. I'm the one who's got the revelation of who he is. So I'm in prison, obviously. He's going to come set me free. So I don't know why he didn't come set me free. So guys, y'all go ask him, is he the one? Because if he's the one, he's surely going to come set me free. So Jesus said, well, go tell John the things that you see and hear. When they got back, he goes, um, where, where's the sitting the captain's free deal? He said, I don't know. All I know is he said, bless is he who is not offended because of me. <laughs> I go, well, I'm offended right now because I thought I was going to get out of jail. No, he got his head chopped off. But I'm telling you, a lot of that happens in our own life. We expect God to do something. I thought he was going to do this. He should have done this. An expectation of, well, I thought that he would come through and heal my marriage. I thought he would heal my loved one or whatever. And the reality is it didn't happen. And it's so easy for us to get offended at God. Now, we're all in church, so we wouldn't dare say we are. But with the enemy, he's pounding away trying to get you. Yes, yeah, I told you what God, done that. it's not that good. I told you you can't trust him. He's going to let you down right at the moment. When you really are trusting him, he's going to let you down. That lie and the enemy, he is constantly hammering on us that God's not good and that you can't trust him. And the reality is that's what he uses. He'll come up and say, well, you thought he's going to do this, but you know, obviously he didn't. Your marriage fell apart. Your, your child died. Your parent did something. You lost your business. All these kinds of negative things. And there's plenty of negative things to look at. But the reality is, is that he is constantly on us to try to cause us pain and hurt and trying to cause us to be disappointed with him. Turn the page if you don't mind. And God's not causing our problems. It's either sin in us or sin in some other people or whatever, but that's the problem. God is not our problem. If you believe that God's the problem, then where in the world do you go to get help? And that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to back us into a corner. But the truth is, is that he, he did good, and he did love, and he gives us everything that we need. So if you've ever been really disappointed, you've got to recognize it. Well, wow, help me to, to get over that and get healed of that so that my disappointment is not in God. He's proven his love. He's demonstrated his love. But do you understand how that can happen? I mean, it's like, well, I thought all this was going to happen. It didn't happen. And so the enemy is always accusing God of not being good. Now, the next section here is understand pain. Uh, Pain is not your enemy. And I say that all the time. If I broke my arm, my arm's going to hurt like everything. And you know what's going to cause me to do? I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to go to the doctor to get treatment on my arm because it hurts like everything. That's what pain is. Pain is not your enemy. Pain, it just directs you to something. So when you've got a hurt and your heart is pained and you've got this broken heart, it's not the pain that's the problem. The the issue is, okay, Lord, point me to what needs to happen here. A lot of times we've not understood how to deal with our pain. And Jesus took our pain and he took our punishment. So it's like, okay, what does that mean? Well, what it means is is that he He took literally our pain and punishment on Himself at the cross, and He died for us. So we don't have to carry our hurt and pain. We can give it to Him. He took it, and I call it the exchange of the cross. What He did at the cross, He took our sickness so we could have His health and life. He took our sin so we could be made righteous. He took all of our hurts and woundedness so we could be healed. and so. But you've got to learn how to, to handle that. So my point is, don't waste your pain. And, and someone asked earlier, said, well, if you've, if you've really forgiven somebody, will you still have some hurt and pain? And the answer is yes. So just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that you've been healed because a lot of times that deep trauma and that wounding You've got to be healed, even though you've forgiven somebody, and it may not even even be a need for that, but this particular issue is understanding inner healing, and you do that by allowing God to come into those wounded areas, and you've got to hear from Him, and you've got to give Him your pain. He won't remove the memories, and don't ask God to remove memories, Uh, but you can ask Him to remove the pain. And the hurt from those areas that have been, that that somebody has done something to you or something hasn't happened or you've done something. God is not restrained by time and space, God is not limited to our little world that we live in. And so, because of that, and because He is God, we can trust Him to know He knows exactly what the issues are. Sometimes they're blinded to us. That's why we have ministry. That's the reason we do the RTF ministry here. It's the reason we have healing prayer, which is available as soon as we're through here. Reason we pray for people at the altar. A lot of times, I'm just blocked to things in my life. That's why we need each other. I, I can't see, because of just my own issues, maybe some things that I need to see. But the point is, is that when I get prayer and I get personal ministry, and again, I'm, I'm exposing myself. I'm thinking, God, I'm going to trust you to use other people to speak into me. Because right now, I feel blocked. I, I don't know what to do. So I need help. And see, we are the body of Christ, and that's why we need each other. That's why the enemy wants to isolate you, because he knows that if he can, just like the, in the natural, if the, the wolf or the coats can, can separate out the, the weak or get those lambs and sheep to be separated, he attacks them. He doesn't attack the herd. He attacks the stragglers and the weak and the sick, what the enemy does. So the point is that God's not limited to that, so we can, he can use other people to help us to get healed. But the real issue is learning how to identify that pain and that hurt. And obviously, again, we do have to forgive. If, if someone has hurt us, we have to forgive God disappointed with God. But the, still, we've got to learn how. How do you get rid of the pain and the and the suffering? And that's how you have to learn how to give it to God. Now, look at the ministry time here. First, first thing you've got to do is you've got to ask God to reveal the memory or hurt that contains the starting point of your hurt. And my point there is, is that a lot of times, we'll talk about, well, you know, my husband did something to me and he really hurt me, and he left me, and he did all this stuff. But let me tell you something. It may not be the initial point. There may be something further back that that's nothing but a manifestation of different hurt. So you you don't just jump at the immediate things. You say, Lord, you show me. You show me what really the root issue. Remember, John the Baptist even said the ax is already laid to the root. Now, that's got a lot of meanings in Scripture, but his point is is that we want to cut things off at the root and not just deal with the fruit if people come up to me and say pastor and i want to stop smoking or i want to stop drinking or i want to stop doing something i go okay their focus is on that particular thing but i guarantee you that's not the root that's fruit so he say well wait what do you mean i mean i've spent all my time and effort trying to stop one of these things well The truth is, is that Lord showed me a long time ago at Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, he said, God didn't give me a spirit of bondage again into fear, but he gave me a spirit of adoption. And Lord showed me a pair of old scales, those old timey scales, and he said, when you have a spirit of bondage, which is addiction, addiction behavior, he said, you're going to be real low in the love of the Father. And the... Problem is, is that anybody that deals with addictions know that that you spend all your time fighting the addiction. You're, you're always I, I gotta stop doing this. I don't want to do this. I'm gonna try every way possible to surround myself so I won't do this. But the problem is the focus is still on the wrong thing. The focus needs to be over here. You need a revelation of love of the Father. As the love of the Father comes up, and you get you get more in Him and get more like Christ, you begin to come up the power of that addiction won't have the same hold on you. We're changed from glory to glory as we behold him. We're not changed from glory to glory as we try to withstand or try to stop something else. That make sense? Because what happens is that you become what you behold. So if you're always trying to not do something, you, it consumes you. Be consumed with God. The more we're changed as we behold him, we, all of a sudden we're changed into his glory. So that's what God wants us to do. So that's why I say the starting point, the, the, the issue is what you're going after. You're not going after a fruit. And a lot of times what we're seeing in our lives is,